teach and use the whiteboard. So if you can't see the whiteboard, you are welcome to move up or not see it. It's up to you. <laughs> up to you entirely what you want to do. Uh, I'm going to shift gears from the Melchizedek stuff that we were doing and go a little bit different direction for a while and kind of start it today. Now, I because we had the ladies retreat this weekend and I knew a lot of the ladies would be gone, um, I picked this verse, but it's not gender specific, all right? But I just thought it's almost like a Father's Day message or you're like, I'm going to talk to the men, right? Um, it's Joel chapter 3. I'll just read it to you, verse 9. I'm just going to use a phrase. It says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. But I want to work with this phrase of wake up the mighty men. But it's not gender specific. All right? Because what I want to talk about is awakening and might and your spirit. So obviously the initial context of the verse is warfare, right? Some people put it in various different contexts. There actually was an immediate, a more immediate historical fulfillment of these things, but people have a tendency to put them off into Armageddon or whatever they think is going to happen in the future, but I want to take a sort of a, uh, oh, dare I say it, like a esoteric or mystical look at it, and I want to talk about waking up the mighty man of your spirit. And so here's the basic principle, and then we'll get into how this works a little bit, but here's the basic principle. Ah, let's just look at it in scripture. Come with me to Ephesians 3. How's everybody feeling? How are you liking this weather? Mm. I'm with whoever said they didn't like it. Now watch this. This this is so radical. Every time I teach this, Christians get upset with me. (laughs) But it's in your Bible, so I want you to see it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Now watch what he's praying for. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, And that you being rooted and grounded in love, now look at verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's the point. They got all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. He doesn't pray anything about anything out here. He doesn't pray, please bring peace to the situation, turn the enemies, Lord, listen to their threats. None of that. He says, he says he's praying that something would happen inside the person, that your inner man would be strengthened with the might of God, and that from that place then you would know the love of God, and that by knowing the love of God, you would be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's praying for an expansion of your inner person. 
entirely. But then watch what he says. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, watch this phrase, according to the power that works in us. See, he understands a principle that we don't understand. Everything that changes in your life, every divine intervention that happens, happens according to the power that's working in you, not the power that's working outside of you or apart from you. Or power that is other than you. Let me just read it again. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. But if it's true, I mean, you understand now, if they have situations and problems in the church at Ephesus, and Paul understands this principle, the only way things are going to change in Ephesus is according to the power that's working inside the people. So therefore, he's praying for this great expansion of them on the inside. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I'd like to suggest to you that the Him that he's talking about there is not Jesus, because it says, To Him let there be glory by Christ Jesus. And I'd also like to suggest to you that the Him that he's talking about there is not the Father. It's kind of the theme of Ephesians. We'll look at this again in a minute. Kind of the theme of Ephesians is the new person, the new man, the new, the new creation person. So the hymn that he's talking about is actually you and God as one. Not you apart from God. Not what I love what Carl Jung calls, um, <laughs> he calls it the alien God. Alien meaning totally other than. And that's what God preached to us for years. God is holy, meaning He's so totally other than us. And we're just whatever we are, worms or whatever. And and don't understand that in order, I don't know why God works this way, but in order for something to change in your life, in order for something to change in the earthly arena, there has to be a person whose will comes into agreement with, with that and who understands that they are the receptacle of that power and knows how to release it. That is a major, major, major shift inside your thinking. So again, kind of the phrase that I wanted to work with today, wake up the mighty man, wake up the mighty inner man. Because that's where the might of God is. He doesn't have to become mighty. He already is mighty. The problem is we're asleep to it. So you can say it this way. All the power of God that you need to change any situation, you already have. You do not have to get more power. All the wisdom that you need to walk into any situation, you don't have to get. You already have it. All the love that you need to love the unlovely or to forgive somebody, you don't have to get. You've already got it. The problem is, 
too many of us are asleep to that fact. We're not aware of it. And we're not operating out of it. So we spend a lot of time trying to get God to do stuff for us that He is not going to do. (laughs) You're not going to talk Him into it. You're not going to get enough votes on enough prayer chains, right? Something's got to expand and change. There has to be an expansion of your consciousness. There has to be an expansion of your awareness. There has to be an expansion of what you already carry in your inner person that then flows through the rest of you into that situation so that literally the power of God's flowing through you to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think according not to his will, according not to his ability, according to the power that's at work in you. So the problem is if you're asleep to the power, you can't put it to work. Just like, be just like coming in and not turning on the heater. You've got the, the capacity for heat, but if you don't turn on the thermostat, you don't get any heat. You have the capacity for light, but if you don't turn on the light switches, you don't have any light. And so what we end up doing is we have a house, so to speak, which is our person that is already wired. You're already plugged into the power company. You're already plugged into the, to the gas and electric company and all that stuff. But what we're doing is getting on the phone to the power company saying, you need to hook us up. Instead of understanding the switches inside our own life, that turn on and off the power of God when we need it. Make sense? So if you're in a conflict, so he says in there, prepare for war, wake up the mighty men. Well, if you're in a conflict, if you're facing opposition, if you're facing mountains in your lives, if you're facing difficulties and whatever, what we do, what we have a tendency to do is we end up calling out to God. And the whole point of what he's trying to get across to the real Christian or the real person who's who's participating in Christ is that you don't you're already plugged into the power source you're already plugged in you already have it i mean just that belief alone you'll start to wake up if you stop praying for more power because here's the thing whatever i pray for i'm telling myself i don't already have so every time i say give me power what i'm saying is i don't have any every time lord give me power what i'm actually saying is i don't have any lord give me help in this situation, what I'm actually saying is I don't have any. Lord, give me wisdom in this situation. What I'm actually saying is I don't have any. And so what we end up doing is operating from a place of lack rather than from a place of abundance. So one of the most major shifts you can make is to move away from either either God's lying to us or the scriptures are lying to us or we're lying to ourselves. It's one or the other. If I say I don't have any power <laughs> and Paul says there's power working in me, One of us is lying. So I actually contradict reality. See, if if Paul is giving us God's view of you, God's view of reality about you, and he's saying that God is going to only work in your life according to the power that's at work in you, and that that power is already there, and that Christ is already inside you, and the light of Christ is already inside you, and you're already connected to all that stuff, and that's God's view of reality then we step outside of that because we refuse to believe it and say, give me power. We refuse to believe it and say, give me the ability to love. We say we refuse to believe it and say, give me wisdom. Then what we're doing is demanding and pulling upon God to operate 
in unreality instead of reality. See, what we try to do is pull God out of the light and into the darkness. Or we try to pull him out of what's really reality and pull him into our unreality. And God will never operate in your unreality because to do so would be a lie and it's impossible for God to lie. So what the, the way the system works is not you pulling God down into your situation, but God pulling you out of the darkness of your own ignorance, God pulling you out of the darkness of your own unreality, God pulling you, if you will, out of the lie and into what? The truth, and the truth is, all the power that you're ever going to need is already inside you. It is a part of you. It's infused and amalgamated into this place that we as Christians call your spirit. You are not separate from it. It is not other and it is not alien. And God does not work according to His will alone or according to His power alone. And He never does anything independently of you or without you in your life. He never operates in the earth independently of a human being who has, has, has not become a receptacle for the light and the power and who through their own willpower and through their own faith and their own agreement and their own belief with God creates a conduit through which that power can get from the inside of you out into the situation to energetically impact it in order to change the vibration of what is going on and quite literally shift your reality out of the darkness and into the light. Shift your reality out of the light and into the truth and direct your reality in the way in which your will desires for it to go. Because Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. (laughs) Right? And you'll bring forth much fruit. Then he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, here's the key. My words abide in you. In other words, all right, let me slow down. His word is truth. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the truth is you've already got power inside you, then if you accept that, it sets you free from the lie that says you don't have any power. Now you can't feel powerless anymore. Now you're set free from a feeling of powerlessness because you've moved into the truth. So if, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, here's what he said, ask what you will, John 15, 7, ask what you will and it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. He did not say pray for what the Father wills. He said ask for what you will because your will is the director, it is, it, your intention directs the power that's inside you to move against whatever mountain or whatever situation that you've been facing. And it works for good or for bad. So in other words, uh, if, if I, I, can, I can shut it off or I can turn it on. It can work for me or it can work against me. This is actually pretty good news. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> so how do we do some of this? So I'm going to give you something really basic that will really be powerful for you. Shift gears a little bit. So in psychology, so, all right, wait, wait, wait. Let me look at one more scripture. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. 20. For I have been crucified with Christ. Right? Let me do it this way. I'm in 2 Corinthians. No wonder I can't find it. Okay. 
Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, right? Notice he didn't put it in the future tense. Notice he did what? He put it in the past tense. So if you're still trying to die to self, you might want to think about that. So, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, not apart from me, in me. And the life which I now live... Oops. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice how many times he uses the word I there. It's a little bit confusing, isn't it? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, yet I do live. (laughs) The life I live that I now live, I live by faith. Right? So in the Greek, the word here, For I is ego, your ego. So in psychology, the ego is merely, so I'm going to jump it over here. The eagle, the eagle, (laughs) the ego is not you, it is your sense of self. It is your sense of self. It's all the ideas, all the feelings, all the concepts that you have that embody the I. Following me? And then the ego is made up of what we would call ego states. So let me give you an example of an ego state. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. Anybody in here have... Problems with road rage. Thank you. Just when you're driving? Okay. So, that's that's good. It's good that you don't have that when somebody else is driving. You might not get very many rides, very many places that way. All right, so that's an ego state. So you can be going along fine, doing fine. Enjoying your day, but some idiot does some stupid thing like cut you off or forget to signal or do something. And what happens? All of a sudden, it's like, like you're, you're Jekyll, right? You're just Jekyll. You're just having a nice conversation. You're just happy. And then all of a sudden, somebody cuts you off and out comes Mr. Hyde, right? And then it kind of passes through you and then you're doing okay again, right? Yeah? So you experience yourself differently. Here's my point. Your sense of self or your experience of yourself is different depending on how you allow different circumstances to impact you or how you've been programmed for situations and circumstances to impact you. All right, let me give you another example that maybe all of us can relate to. So let's say you have a birthday planned, and let's just say for the sake of argument or the sake of illustration, not argument, for the sake of illustration, that your birthday is in the summer. And so your plan is to have a nice barbecue with your friends 
and family members and you're going to put out a volleyball net and you're going to play some volleyball and then you want to roast uh, hot dogs and marshmallows afterwards to over a fire or something like that. Now, if your birthday comes along and all that takes place and you're sitting there and you're enjoying yourself and you're eating your marshmallows and you're and and you won the volleyball game and whatever, how do you feel? You feel pretty good, right? That's an experience that you're having of yourself. So that is an ego state. Got it? Now, let's say different scenario. You got all this planned and at the last minute the wind kicks up like it does out here in Pueblo, 80 miles an hour, blew your 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 volleyball net all the way across you're watching it tumble down the prairie out there because you live out here in Pueblo West and and then pretty soon here comes rain and and the temperatures drop and you've just got you got you don't have anywhere else to redo this and you have to cancel your party and you're just sitting there and you're a little bit older you know you're on the second half of life and so now all you got to do is sit there and think about how you're a year older and you should be further along by now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and why are you dealing with the same old stuff and you got no friends? What, what kind, how are you feeling? Okay, so that's another ego state. You get it? So ego is not a bad thing. In, in spiritual circles, mystical circles, they always make ego out to be a bad thing. Like you've got to eliminate it. You've got you to get rid of it. But notice what Paul says here. He says, uh, one ego state has basically just given away to another. He's got two negations of eyes. Do you see it? But then he still has an ego. He still has an eye that lives, and he still has an eye that lives by faith. We say the dumbest things as Christians. Well, you, I just need to uh, die to self. Well, how do you do that? Who's the eye that's dying? And who's the self that's dying? And which one gets to live? You see it? But when you, so you're dealing with different ego states. So when Paul is talking about the inner man, or being strengthened with might in the inner man, or we're talking about waking up the mighty man, if you will, of your spirit, then what we're talking about, or awakening, we're talking about entering into the ego states that contain who Christ is in you. That's all faith is. Faith is, a, is an ego state. It is a sense of self that has entered into the fullness of who Christ is in you. Not with you. Not apart from you. Not other than you. Not alien to you. An ego state of Christ in you. Now, how do you do that? <laughs> That's what we'd all like to know, right? How many of you have a situation in your life, about something about yourself, not a situation? See, this is the other thing that this requires. You have to stop looking at the situations in your life, trying to change the situations, and you have to start looking at yourself and how you experience yourself and what ego state you enter into in the situations. Because when you can change who you are in the situation, the situation will respond to who you are and the situation will change. 
I'll give you an example. Think about that coworker or person in your life, if you have one, that you aren't friendly with, that you guys don't like seeing each other or interacting. You just kind of avoid each other or whatever. Or you make nasty little remarks every now and then. You know that person? That person you're just not real happy to see? Am I the only human being in the room today? Or I'm just wondering. <laughs> like, did, did, does nobody else have these issues and problems? Is it just me? <laughs> now, change your ego state. Because your ego state is going to be not magnetic or attractive to that person. Just try this, if you have the guts. Deliberately change it. Go in with an intention, like you are going to smile, like you just saw your best friend, or your grandchild, or your son or daughter, or whatever. You're going to light up. You're going to smile. You're going to have an open posture. And you're going to tell them, hey, man, it's so good to see you today. How you been doing? What is that person going to do? <laughs> they cannot help but change the way they relate to you. They just they just can't. Even if it's just for a moment when they're like shell-shocked, like, oh, what happened to you? At the very least, they cannot stay the same. That's just a small example, So, but, but it makes the point. When you change who you are in the situation, the situation has to respond to who you are, therefore the situation has to change. That's just true across the board in natural stuff. What happens when you add the might and the power and the strength and the glory of God to a situation, and you awaken what's inside of you there, and you begin to allow what's in you to, to flow out of you, how much more does that have to change the situation? Right? But here's the point. You have to think about changing yourself in the way that you interact rather than changing the situation. So instead of trying to change that person that you don't like to hang around with, you change yourself and then watch how that person responds. It's a very different way of going about life. You, st you stop asking yourself the question, how can I change so-and-so or how can I change such-and-such -such situation? And you start asking yourself... How can I change me? How can I alter my ego state so that I'm bringing a more resourceful self into the situation? And when I bring a more resourceful self into the situation, how does it impact and change the situation? You see it? Now, so I want you to think about an area of yourself that you want to change, something that you know is not serving you. It could be that maybe you have a temper problem. It could be that road rage. Maybe that road rage serves you well. No judgment on it. Um, maybe it's uh, if a person has an addiction I'm going to use addiction as an example because it's an easy one to use but it can work with anything temper lust whatever your problem may be right but let's just kind of take an addiction and let's make it a simple one let's don't make it like a complex you're addicted to coffee and it makes you really jittery and anxious. And you know in order to get rid of the jitters in the morning, you've got to quit drinking coffee. Right? Now, here's what I want you to see. That need to drink coffee is part of your ego. Right? It's part of the way you experience yourself in any given situation. This Because this is how most Christians make change, and this is why it doesn't work for them. 
There's another part of me, if you will, that's just a part of my ego. All of this independent of Christ, right? That wants to make a change to that part of my life. So I say, okay, instead of drinking coffee, I'm going to drink water in the morning. Because i got to get off the caffeine. I can't drink tea. I'm going to drink orange juice and water. And you're wrestling with yourself to do that. And so you do good for three or four days. And then you go and you drink the coffee. Or you're trying to diet, you do good, you lose weight for a little bit, and then you go out and make a pig of yourself at that Golden Corral or something. And you're like, dang it, I blew it. You know, what, did, what, what? And we go through that wrestling match with ourselves, right? What if there's a better way? What if there's an easier way? What if there's a different way that the Bible talks about that you can make change that has nothing to do with that kind of wrestling with yourself? And it's again, it's back in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, verse 17. He says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. See what he's saying? It has nothing to do with anything outside of you. It has everything to do with what's going on inside them. The mind, the blindness of the heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Watch this. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Look at verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Notice he doesn't say you put off your former conduct. That's our problem. We're trying to put off the former conduct. He doesn't say put off the former conduct. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man who grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. So it's not about behavior modification. It's not about ego making change to ego. And that's the problem. (laughs) We try to keep the same sense of self intact and make changes out of the same sense of self. Jesus put it this way. He says, no one takes a new... uh, uh, garment or an old garment and patches it with the new and expects it to last no one puts new wine into old wineskins because if you put the new wine into the old wineskin the old wineskin has lost its elasticity and so it'll burst and both the wine and the wineskin will be lost but that's what we constantly try to do we try to adapt by putting patches on our so we, we have a patchwork self we have a patchwork character where we've worked on different issues of ourself but we did it from the same sense of self we did it from the same abiding sense of ego. Right? Here's what he's saying. You have to completely disidentify with the person that you were and begin to identify with a person you've never been before. You have to move out of the ego state of who you were and move into an ego state of someone who's totally brand new. And that is the renewing of your mind. Does that make making sense to you? So how do I do that? I'll give you a couple examples. Gideon, remember the story of Gideon? Gideon is from the smallest tribe, and he's the least member of his family. He's the most powerless person in Israel. And God shows up to him, and what does he say? 
He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. He doesn't say, the Lord be with you. He doesn't say, ask the Lord to be with you. <laughs> doesn't say, ask for more power. He comes to him completely contradicting who he experiences and knows himself to be and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And that's why he had to do the fleeces. Remember the fleeces that he put out before the Lord, which there's a whole spiritual process in that. He's not just trying to get confirmation. A fleece is what? A fleece is what the lamb is wearing on the outside. So what was he wearing on the outside? I'm the weakest. I'm from the weakest tribe. And he had to shift into believing that he was already a mighty man of valor with whom the Lord was with. Jeremiah, God shows up to Jeremiah and says, the, so, so, so in his spirit, let's, let's do it this way, you have a spirit ego. So, but that, but it's, it's got to be developed. You have to develop an ego out of your spirit. So in his identity, in his spirit, God shows up to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. But in his experience of himself, he says, oh, no, 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 I'm the weakest one in my tribe. So he had to develop a spirit identity. He had to develop a spirit ego that was in line with the fact that he was full of power before anything could change. Which means he had to completely disidentify with the old ego state. God shows up to Jeremiah and says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. That's who he is in his spirit. What does he say? Ah, Lord God, I can't speak. I'm but a child. That's his sense of self. He has to be able to let go completely of one sense of self to move into an entirely different sense of self before he can be the prophets of the nations. He didn't have to go to a school of prophets. He didn't have to go to classes, any of that stuff. All he had to do was move out of one ego state into the other ego state. And when he moved into the other ego state by faith, then he was able to prophesy. Jesus said it this way, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The word deny there is very unfortunate because we think of self-denial. I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to deny myself all the enjoyments in life, whatever. The word deny there actually in the Greek means disown. If anyone wants to come after me, the first thing you have to do is disown Yourself. See, before Jeremiah could move into prophesying, he had to disown the part of him that was but a child and couldn't speak. Before uh, Gideon could move into being that mighty man of valor, he had to disown himself as being less than before he could move into that. So how do I do that? This is the craziest thing. Very, very simple thing. One of the first things you have to do is stop trying to change. Because when you're exerting force on yourself to change, you're coming from ego strength. And all you're doing is keeping that self, sense of self intact and turning, if you allow me to use the phrase correctly, psychic energies, meaning energies of the psyche, against 
itself and creating a war inside yourself. That's all you're doing. So the first step is you stop trying to change. It sounds crazy. But not as crazy as the next step. The next step is you try to begin observing yourself in the third person, observing yourself do what you do. Let's put it this way. I almost want to say a disinterested third-party person, but not really. Uh, But you don't want to be a judgmental third-party person because judgmentalism keeps you in bondage. So how about this? How about a curious third-party person? You have to begin to take on an ego state. Are you tracking with me? That you are not you. You are observing you doing what you do. From a place of curiosity, not from a place of judgment. So the person who is an addict, instead of getting up in the morning and saying, I don't want my coffee, I don't want my coffee, I'm not going to drink my coffee, I'm not going to drink my coffee. Oh, I made it till 10 o'clock and then I just had to have a cup of coffee. Ugh, God, tomorrow I'm going to do better. Right? You don't do any of that. You get up in the morning and you look at yourself Like you're not you. Like you are not you. Because the first step is disowning yourself. The first step is putting off the old man. Well, how do you put off the old man if you're still identified with the old man? The only way to shift out of the ego state is to get out of it completely. As long as I'm trying to change something about myself I don't like, I'm still stuck in the same ego state. I just don't like it. Is this making sense to you? It's self trying to change self. And the problem is you've got to get completely outside of self. So the way you do it is you create space by simply observing yourself without judgment, go through the motions. So you wake up in the morning and you watch yourself. You step back from it. You let the emotion go out, whatever. You step back from it and you observe how you get the cup of coffee. You observe yourself making it. You observe yourself pouring it. You observe yourself drinking it. Mind you, this is something you want to change. Let's say it's an anger. You observe yourself getting angry. You observe yourself how you act when you get angry. You observe yourself almost studying yourself what's going on with this person. Not what's going on with me. What's going on with this person? And that alone begins to shift you into a new reality. That alone. And the more you can do that, the more you can dial back what's going on. When you get into those emotionally charged states, observe yourself being in the emotionally charged state without feeling like you need to change it, without feeling like you need to fix it. Just being curious, how does Aaron act when Aaron gets upset? Huh. Aaron gets pretty worked up, doesn't he? Aaron has a tendency to raise his voice. Aaron internalizes a lot of that and just swallows it because he doesn't want to say something that might be hurtful. That's really interesting how Aaron gets like that when Aaron gets upset. 
And it becomes, it becomes sort of a spiritual practice that you have throughout your day. So you, you, you don't, don't wait for the ego state because chances are you won't be able to get out of it. You gotta start practicing it by just what, what's your, what's your normal routine? What are your repetitive patterns? Like what words do you say over and over again? What phrases do you use over and over again? What mannerisms? Are you even aware? Are you even aware of what mannerisms you use repetitively? Are you even aware of what uh, phrases you might say over and over again? Are you aware of the same conversation that you have with different people throughout the day every time they see you? It's the same conversation? Because it's always coming out of that repetitive place inside your life? Are you getting that? And start uh, just start observing it. Just start noticing. Just start... Not trying to change. That's, I can't emphasize this enough because if you start trying to change, you're going to enter into judgment and what's going to happen is you're going to enter right back into that ego state and be right back in the same old battle. So you just observe yourself doing those things. And the most amazing thing will happen as you find yourself observing yourself doing those things, what are you actually doing? You're breaking your own conscious identification with what's going on in your life. See, if I get in a conflict with somebody, if if my issue is anger and I get in a conflict with somebody and I get all worked up, right? Then I'm invested in whatever's going on in that situation. I'm invested in the story. I'm the victim and they're the villain. When I can observe myself going through that situation, I become less and less emotionally invested in what's happening. So if my issue is anger, what happens when I become less and less invested in what's going on? I'm just naturally going to become less and less angry and upset and frustrated by it. If I can let you push my buttons, we all have people that push our buttons, right? If I can let you push my buttons and I can go ahead and react out of my buttons being pushed, but I can observe myself reacting. Isn't that interesting how Aaron gets his buttons pushed? Isn't that interesting how this, this, and this, when, when this person said this and this person did this, how that pushed these certain buttons and now look at how he's responding. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Not judging it, not calling it good or bad. Guess what happens? You begin to create space for change. You begin to create space not to just change one thing about your life. You begin to create space to put on a whole new identity that changes everything about your life. You begin to put off the old man so that you can put on the new man. And you know what's interesting about the word new there? The word man, if it's not in italics, it should be in italics. Because it's not the new man. (laughs) It's the new. And actually that word, you know what it means? It means to be in the present moment. That wherever you're at, you're, you're there. If you're thinking about your past, you're present to the fact that you're thinking about your past. 
If you're planning for your future, you're present to the fact that you're planning for your future. If you're washing your hands, you're present to the fact that you're washing your hands. If you're cleaning your car, you're present to the fact and you're doing the job of cleaning your car. If you need time to ruminate, you give yourself time to ruminate and you're present to the fact that you're ruminating. (laughs) Does that make sense? But you're not getting caught in those same old loops and in those same old patterns and in those same old ego states. One of the best things you could do is go inside, what am I feeling? Discover what you're feeling. Realize that that's a part of you that's generating that feeling. And ask that part, what do you need from me? Because what are you doing? You're stepping back as a third party. And you're being curious. You're not assuming and you're not making judgments. And you'll get flashes of insight and you'll get answers and you'll get... And you can begin to move your way out of the old man and into the new man by simply, I'm going to keep repeating it over and over again because it's not a habit for us, observing who you are in those moments and how you conduct yourself without judging it. So, just to review, the power of God's already in you. The wisdom of God is already in you. The love of God, all that stuff is already in you and part of you. The key to changing any situation is to get from what's inside you, outside of you. In order to be able to do that, you have to develop an ego state that has Christ consciousness within it. Who Conscious of who you are in Christ, feeling it, not just thinking it, feeling it, knowing it, being grounded, having it grounded in your body, moving into that Christ-centered ego state is the key to getting all that stuff flowing and working in your life. But before you can do that, you've got to get out of the ego state that you've been living in. And the best way to do that is to not try to change yourself, to simply begin to detach and observe yourself doing what you do. Really, your life can radically change if you just change a few simple beliefs. I'm not separate from God. God's not other than me, and I'm not other than God. We are together in this thing. It's in my spirit. It's in a part of me that I'm unconscious to. It's in a part of me that I'm asleep to. And a part of me that I need to wake up. But before I can wake up, I've got to get out of this dream of the false self that I've been living. And the best way for me to do that is to become lucid in it. (laughs) By being aware that I'm in a dream, that it's not real, and who's doing all this stuff. Does that make sense to you? All right. So, Lord, thank you. I I just pray this will be helpful for people. I pray it will feed your people and help us to move out of a sense of powerlessness and weakness, fault-finding, criticism, pain, depression, fear, anxiety, all those things, Lord, and move into a place of, of a stable, settled, Christ-centered ego state where we awaken to the mighty man and woman that we are on the inside. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks.